you know, if we look at the, the history and, and you said it, you know, it's like 6,000 years ago about initiation were canceled. Initiation were canceled in a culture. And then what happened is that then when people stopped being initiated, then they, they were more than, you know, they grew up older than 18 years old, but stayed in an adolescent way of being. And that's how just the culture grew. And mostly then has been taken over by the people who have no problem doing whatever they can, whatever is, you know, going at the top, getting the power, the money, the fame, and doing that at any cost without um, compassion. Okay, so those people are mostly psychopath or have psychopathic behavior. So this is very clear that that's the culture that, that we have right now, you know, and your president probably being, or the president of the United States, I won't say your president, the president of the United States being, being a great example for that. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. And, and I, and it's like, for me to, I am, I sort of, I'm not interested to tackle that. Yeah. And, and it's this, it's Buckminster Fuller and other people have said it. Okay. So the, the real change happens when not when you fight the old system, but you create the new. Put, put your energy in creating the new. The old system is already obsolete, is already irrelevant. It is going to die. It is already dead. It's sort of like grasping with the last breath, you know, before, before it drowns. Yes. And, and it's terrified of that. And okay, it's terrified. Okay, I, what I'm interested in is building the bridge. So when that fin collapse, people can move into more interesting game worlds. I'm Dean Walker, and welcome to the Poetry of Predicament podcast, a podcast for people brave enough to face humanity's challenges and problems, and most importantly, our numerous predicaments. The Poetry of Predicament is a podcast meant to inspire us to bring forth grace, beauty, and connection with the web of life in the face of a predicament-laden world. How can we access truly new possibilities in these times of separation and collapse? Let's have a conversation with Anne-Chloe Destremont, a trainer of trainers for possibility management. All right, welcome to another round of the Poetry of Predicament podcast. And once again, I find myself in the middle of a year-long month called April 2020. We've already been through the year-long month of March 2020, and, and we are in a different world. And uh, this has been an easy uh, beginning of 2020 for me to keep my word about really upping the gradient in the particular the content and the guests in this podcast um, for a number of reasons that I've been sharing little by little in, in various episodes. Um, I've really found it, it essential to have these podcasts be an expression of, of what's up for me, what I'm finding valuable, what I'm finding worth getting out of bed in the morning for mm -hmm. in this most extraordinary time. And um, this particular episode is no exception. Uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled to be including more and more practitioners and designers of what I'm come to call advanced practices for this time. You know, there's a entry level that um, it seems very helpful for people, whether it's at the coronavirus level or prior to that in the facing of human-caused collapse of earth and human systems, the entry level is, uh, you know, the circling level, the deep adaptation uh, facilitation level, the work that reconnects, which is bringing people together and giving, giving them a safe space in which to feel and, and slow down for a moment together and hold space for each other. It's, it's, it's essential work and important in its own right. 
and for some people that's enough that's where that's the level that they have in them to explore and that's that's really where there's where they'll begin and perhaps where they'll stop their growth journey and uh, in these advanced practices i'm uh, i'm wanting to speak with people who have uh, considered that to be step one in a multiple mile long journey that is life at this time that is uh, cultivating extraordinary levels of aliveness and creativity generativity in this time um, so i've got and chloe destremont and and chloe has uh, quickly become a senior trainer and trainer of trainers for possibility management around the world and you know primarily my experience is is uh y'all have it going on in europe uh that's really the you know the locus for most of the work you know a lot in germany and spain and i don't know where else you guys play but it's it's always pretty great uh, but uh i know that i've spoken with some folks uh, in australia there's a small handful of us here who are interested uh in the USA and and um, I just got to uh, yesterday um, participate in a first in a four part series of, of uh, online events. No surprise that the folks in possibility management are stepping into doing online events. It's really the only way to get people together for it, whatever is being uh, the is the point of, of a gathering. Um, and this particular class is called Rage Club. I love how provocative it is. It's, uh, you know, it's typical for me to see a title like that in the possibility management website, you know, to be able to see, ah, what, what the heck is that? That sounds great. Whatever it is, you know, <laughs> sign me up. Um, and yes, it is great as a series. It was great yesterday. I felt, uh, so wonderful to be able to reconnect with people that I had uh, met in other earlier workshops, primarily in 2019. So um, first, and Chloe, thank you for your patience while I talk all this time. I just have a little bit more and then I'd love to just cut you loose. Um, I wanna speak a little bit about um, how for me personally, um, this is, th these are really important interviews. And um, I'm hoping that you, you, the viewers of these interviews, find them also very, very valuable. Because uh, we're, we're really down to it now. Uh, it's different now than it's been for the past eight years that I've been really immersed in writing books and creating work to support people who are very, very collapse aware. Um, now there's a lot more people who really get we are in the collapse of earth and human systems it's not about a virus it's about the collapse of earth and human systems that we're causing mm -hmm. and my question in general for these years has been if if not that business as usual ecocidal system omnicidal system then what and given that my most of my lifetime uh, of, of personal practices and my work has been involved with transformational training of one kind or another, I've known that you just don't get into that advanced training level without doing the work. It's not something that you can fake. It's not something that you can pay enough money to, to buy the certificate to put on your wall. There's just not a, not a way except to actually do the work. And while it can be excruciating and it can be uh, more uncomfortable and, and sometimes even painful, then, uh, then it's easy for me to describe here. I also can say that it has saved my life and then blossomed my life into new levels that I never could have dreamt. And now is the opportunity literally on a global scale in this pause. I was just telling Anne Chloe, I've come to really like the term, we are the people of the pause. 
And I, I don't mean that for most of the population of the world, because most of the population of the world is staged and begging for, let's get back to business as usual as quickly as we can. That's the desire, and that's the, what the government and the corporations want to uh, gaslight us into believing, you know, like forgetting that all this even happened and move forward with this tsunami of getting back to the way it was. So the question was, if not that, that that is clearly going to take us into the sixth mass extinction behind all the smoke and mirrors of the virus, then what? And it's with possibility management and uh, my now numerous conversations with Aunt Chloe, with Clinton, with a number of other practitioners, and with a number of other similar level bodies of work, these are the conversations that I consider worth having now. Mm. These are the conversations that start to answer the question, you know, that Einstein quote mm -hmm. uh, about we, uh, we can't solve the problems that we've created using the same level of thinking that was used to create them. This is the level of work that it takes to truly access new ways of being, new ways of thinking, new possibilities. And this is, this is the tough work. And this is the miraculously brilliant work of people of the pause. So, Anne Chloe, again, thank you for your patience. Welcome yeah. here. And I'm wondering if anything that I've said sparks you to share anything. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really want to thank you for like putting this in such like clear words. I think uh, it takes really years of uh, research and like sort of battle with our current or like battle with the culture we were born in to have so much clarity about it. Mm. And I think this is really one thing that triggers something in me and you know when you say if if not the life that was before the corona then what and then it, it comes to okay I, I i i i don't live a business as usual life i live a different life i live a life in next culture and so your question comes as okay how is it to be there how is it to live there? And then I have to look at my life and, and sort of give you a tour of, of what it's like. But, but first I wanna, it's, I think it starts, and even if you were talking with advanced practice, I consider this a really advanced practice to have a, um, the awareness, the awareness of cultural relativity. And most of us born in modern culture, we have no idea that we were born in a culture. We think we were born in the world. We think we were born in civilization. That's, that is how human beings are supposed to live and evolve. And we are the progressed one and we are the civilized one and we are the cultivated one. And it is impossible to even think that another culture is possible. And it's not the, it's for me, it's not like the progression of modern culture. We're talking about a different, in a different context. So in a way, I mean, I know that probably other people have said this on, on your show, but even um, we can look at indigenous culture and even those people in modern culture would look at those as, oh, they haven't evolved into what we are. <laughs> they haven't evolved in, and the indigenous people look at us and they, and, and, and they see absolutely where we are. And they think where we are is crazy. And this is sort of a side note, but it was a really good friend of mine doing possibility management who gave me a sense of what racism is. And her definition of racism is like, for example, a white person being you know, racist would be that we think we see them we think we see other people, but we don't even imagine that they can see us back. So 
So we can give feedback. We can, we can define what they are, but they, we cannot even imagine that somebody else can give us, can look at us back and give us feedback about what, how we are, how we behave. Right. So it has really nothing to do with the color of our skin. It is, a, it is a, an awareness, and that's the cultural relativity awareness. Yeah. But I think it really starts there to, to look at our life and be, okay, I, I'm choosing to be here, and this is one possibility. This is only one possibility out of a lot, mm-hmm. out of not an infinite, but a lot. And, 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 and to start there is sort of to start where we are and to, great. And I, I think this is also the work of, you know, permaculture or deep adaptation or, or bring, coming back, coming in circle is a different possibility. It's already a different possibility. And I would encourage as many people here listening to experience that possibility of meeting in circle because it breaks down, it collapses this idea of hierarchy, which the the modern culture, capitalist patriarchal empire is based on. And when we in a circle, then there's no beginning and there's no end and there's no authority figure. And that, so it's, um, that change of experience can change our, the way we look at the world, the way we, which we would call our thoughtware. We call that the thoughtware, the way, what we used to think, what we used to think with. How, it is our filter to interact with the world. Okay, if you live, if you were born in modern culture and you've been to school and you have a job and you have a filter called hierarchy, and it's like, you think the world works with authority figure who will tell you how it goes. And, or you might be the authority figure that tells other people how it goes. And, um, and then this is, this is it. Somebody has to say how it goes and the other people follow. Okay, we're in this master sheep, sheeple um, uh, situation, which is, we see it, it's so clear now. It is so clear now. I mean, one way it is so clear is that, for me, I mean, it's so clear how it is an illusion. It's so clear how the, having an authority is an illusion because right now we're in the middle of a major liquid state, a major liquid state of the culture of, um, yeah, modern culture. It's mostly a liquid state of modern culture. Also, Earth is going through a liquid state just because we've been really destroying it and killing it. But so we're going through this liquid state of modern culture, which shakes the ground of it, shakes the foundation. And actually those foundation are, are illusion. So the foundation of modern culture, we're talking about money as a value. Money has value. Okay, that is one foundation of modern culture. Hierarchy is another um, foundation, like construct of this culture. Uh, democracy is a is a <laughs> is a foundation of this con- you know of the construct of modern culture. Um, the economy that there is such a thing called the economy it's an illusion, mm-hmm. and and now we're seeing it when I read in the paper that Trump is uh, pulling out. Uh, 220 trillion dollars for a rescue plan or something in that order and it's like where do they come from you know it's the insanity of a piece of that piece of paper means nothing if you can print it that much that piece of paper has no value so can i can i just pause you for a second because you brought up a term that i use a lot in, in speaking with a, a number of different guests out of this context completely, I, uh, I, I use the term liquid state quite a bit. So it, I don't think it's gonna be a total surprise for people to hear those words, but I'd like to just put a little bit more context on it, both individually 
and then collectively, and then ask you to continue whatever your thread is here. Um, Because I, the dynamic that I think I've heard, I know that I've heard you describe, and I know it's, it's very similar to my perception in myself and in so many of the people I work with, that there's this um, literally a terror that's inside of ourselves that we do our best to try and find a word for it out there. But usually it's just something like uh, the terror of being unemployed or the terror of having a divorce or the terror of losing my health or whatever it is, those, those typical big stressors that each of them by their nature cause or trigger us into uh, an uncertainty. We no longer can, can rely on a repetitive, the repetitive daily nature of life. It's, it's different. It's shaken or it's actually liquefied. What mm-hmm. was once solid was solid just a moment ago is now liquefied. Yeah. And what, I'm, what I believe you're, you're pointing at is our individual ability and our collective ability as an aspiration, we aspire. If if we were really on track here, we would be aspiring to be familiar with that liquid state. And not just familiar, but actually know it to be something really good to lean into mm-hmm. rather than repel back from. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm saying it in this way because that is such a, an early distinction delivered in all possibility management work you know the expand the box is the initial weekend workshop that that kind of gets a person going it's in there it's it's shifting the frame like what if this thing that you're absolutely been taught to fear the most Mm -hmm. is actually an attractive and extraordinarily valuable state to approach or lean into Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to learn it on an individual level and Yahoo. I mean, that's great and keep going folks. But what I also hear you talking about is here's the opportunity of this pause is we could conceivably lean into this liquid state that has is now not just collectively for humanity, but also for the planet. So thanks for sitting through all that. I wanted to just put it into a context so people who might not know quite about possibility management, how does it fit on the individual level? How does it fit on the collective level? And I interrupted you. So if you can, pick up that thread and go wherever you'd like. Yeah, I'll just pick up where you where you left. I mean, what you were saying, I think it's the, the liquid state is that is right it's is this we had a solid vision of who we were of what was going on of how life you know those are my friends and and i'll have this career and i'll have a retirement plan and so this is also at a very individual level but also at a collective you know there will be a pension there will be there will be medical assistance all that stuff and something happens something happens that so either something happens voluntarily meaning that you're you know you put yourself in a situation where you're going to get feedback or you're going to get a possibility that you didn't see before and that will make that will create the liquid state Mm -hmm. this is what happened in the training that we build a safe space a contained space where there's enough sort of pressure for the sol- for the solidity to liquefy okay so it's it's in a held space and there's space holders for that right now as you say the whole uh, culture is going in liquid state and uh, there's not really any safe container and people are not being told this is a liquid state and liquid state yeah feel it really feels like dying. It feels like everything that you knew is gonna disappear and therefore you are gonna disappear. Mm. And that would trigger this huge fear that you were talking about that's 
directed on the outside, but if we really go into it, it's a fear. And really, you can sort of even do it now as I speak, is like, what is this really about? What is this? this often it's the fear of being alone and then the fear of dying. Ultimately, the fear of being alone and the fear of dying. Yeah. And so, you know, this, um, when you say it's a, it is a state that after some years of work, we, like there's an experience of leaning into it has so much benefit mm. because it's like, it's the Phoenix process. It's the death and resurrection. Okay, I burn what was there and then I come out as a newborn and my life is totally different. And I think this is true when there's a certain, um, it's like the liquid state is, is valuable or is wanted for people who, what I would call adult, what people who would call initiated. And one thing is to be initiated into fear. And we have not been initiated into the feeling of fear is the feeling of fear. That's it. It's a neutral source of information and energy. And for now, like what's the way it's been wired in modern culture is fear is bad. Fear should be avoided. Fear means something really bad is going to happen. You might die. Fear is, um, or you might be, if you feel fear is that you're weak or you're, you know, you, you, you know, you're, it's for girls. Girls are feeling fear, but not men, not real men. And, and, and so there's this, yeah, it's, there's a real initiation to go, to be able to feel the fear, lean into it and lean into this liquid state. And it's this no man's land. Okay, I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. It's the not knowing space, yeah. If you don't mind me interrupting again, you've just brought up another word that just, um, I would love to pull that thread for just a moment. Uh, the, the whole uh, notion of being initiated. Uh, I'm, I've been uh, more than, more than 20 years involved with uh, an initiation program for men called the New Warriors Program or the Mankind Project. And that's a worldwide uh, program. It's pretty darn good. I would call it an, an entry level program, but it's, it's a strong one. And they, they promote uh, men getting in circles and being in, empowered with a number of distinctions that, that are extraordinarily helpful. Um, and I, I know that their intention with this initiation is to have these men become men, be initiated into manhood or adulthood. Mm -hmm. And uh, they do a decent job of that. And I'm at the elder level of that program. And um, I can say that they do a decent job of distinguishing being initiated into elderhood as well. Yeah. And there, I know that there are some comparable women's programs as well. But when we're really talking about the numbers, even though they're substantial, they're the biggest programs I'm aware of on the planet, thousands and thousands of people, the still the numbers are extraordinarily low. And when, when we just put that aside for a moment and we look at the culture at large, you know, particularly in the USA where we, we are so obviously uninitiated, uh, we are so obviously um, clamped into an adolescent state that is so self-absorbed that it's literally disconnected from all the primary sources of meaning in a human life. Is you know collectively that's how we're doing it. So it's, I find it powerful that you're using the word initiation. I know you're using it intentionally. I know that. It, for the person coming into a expand the box weekend are going to, they're going to start to get the idea. The seed will be planted that what's possible here is a, is a person could, could continue with the work, do this work and step into that, that level of initiation that you're talking about. And I, uh, I just want to underscore it. And I, um, that, you know, true initiation in the history of humanity, where, where it's been a serious practice in a culture 
oftentimes it's not fucking around. It is the person going through initiation, there's something at stake. You know, life is at stake. And truly, you know, the, a, a young person could go out and not survive or come back injured. You know, there is something at stake. And, and at the very least, what's at stake is that, that way that my adolescence has sort of cobbled together to be in life. Suddenly, that needs to be gently integrated in a new way and then opened up to a whole nother possibility called true adulthood. And um, you just, well, I, what I'm also hearing when you mention that word is that we, we do not have the safe kind of container that you were just describing in the workshop experience. On a global level, there are those who are saying, well, this is a time of human initiation to a new level of consciousness. Well, that, that's a swell idea, but there is no container for it. And there's no shared context for it. Mm-hmm. And there's apparently not anywhere near a critical mass of even interest in it. It's still the liquid state. It still has all the fear and everything that we're trying, we've been trained to stay away from our, our whole lives. And so um, <laughs> it feels like I'm, I'm landing this in a way that's kind of a bummer. I meant to, <laughs> I meant to emphasize my my yeah. very real appreciation for possibility management in uh, m- making it such a clear opportunity at the individual level to create a, a, an initiation for oneself or one's family or wh- whatever that it becomes very much within reach. And I guess what I was also pointing at is uh, that does not look like in any real fashion what's going on on the global scale. So as confused as that (laughs) message might have been, uh, I'm wondering if you're sparked to say anything after that. Yes. So first of all, I would just want to say, just interrupt me kind of whenever, because I could, like, I could speak for five days. <laughs> if you have me five days, I could just keep speaking. Okay. And, but I, so one of the thing I, I just want to say is that I, sometimes I go into this consideration about the collective, about humanity at large, or it's not about humanity at large, really. It's about people in modern culture because indigenous initiations still exist and are being Young, young people still go through indigenous in, initiation. So um, we're talking about the culture that have exterminated initiation and, and live in a state of yeah, adolescence, really, or even yeah, childhood and adolescence. And when I start looking at this global level, there's, I think I kind of get to this point of, but how, how are we gonna make this happen? You know, how are we gonna, initiate billions we're talking about billions of people that have not that initiation has been taken away from them and and somehow i i lose grip of my work i lose grip of my work and that's that's why i i focus on individual and 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 groups of people 20 people 30 people different teams connecting and and i really that's that's where I'm putting my energy and my and my yeah my attention, and but when, and so the other thing that I really um, like really touched me I think is you know if we look at the the history and and you said it you know it's like six thousand years ago about initiation were cancelled initiation were cancelled in a culture. And then what happened is that then when people stopped being initiated, then they, they were more than, you know, they grew up older than 18 years old, but stayed in an adolescent way of being. And that's how just the culture grew. And mostly then has been taken over by the people who have no problem doing whatever they can, whatever is, you know, 
going at the top, getting the power, the money, the fame, and doing that at any cost without um, compassion. Okay, so those people are mostly psychopath or have psychopathic behavior. So this is very clear that that's the culture that, that we have right now, you know, and your president probably being, or the president of the United States, I won't say your president, the president of the United States being, being a great example for that. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. And, and I, and it's like, for me to, I am, I sort of, I'm not interested to tackle that. Yeah. And, and it's this, it's Buckminster Fuller and other people have said it. Okay, so the, the real change happens when not when you fight the old system, but you create the new. Put, put your energy in creating the new. The old system is already obsolete, is already irrelevant. It is gonna die. It is already dead. It's sort of like grasping with the last breath, you know, before before it drowns. Yes. And and it's terrified of that. And okay, it's terrified. Okay, I what I'm interested in is building the bridge. So when that fin collapses, people can move into more interesting game worlds, more interesting cultures. What we would call next culture. Mm-hmm. And and in, and I say it as next cultures with an S because the vision is to have what a hundred million nano nation, a hundred million nano nation around the world with their own culture. However, the the the, the communality, like what would bound would bind us or would what would emerge from a similar context is that initiation would be at the center of it. Mm. Right now, what's at the center of modern culture is money and power. This is what's at the center. This is what we want. This is the American dream. You know, this is, okay. What if, what does it look like to have a culture which is at the center? We have transformation, evolution, initiation, love, possibility, clarity. Mm-hmm. What, what, does, what does it look like? And I, and I think there's, there's not one answer. So I, I can sort of tell you what my mind looked like. I live in a nano nation called Possibilica. Okay, there's about seven people in it. We are all possibility management trainers from the Trainer Guild of Possibility Management. And one of our culture is to come in circles and to do research together and also to commit to each other's uh, stand in radical responsibility. This is each and every one of us take radical responsibility for what the culture is. And that means there's nobody else to blame. If there's a conflict and it, it's not even me, it's, I didn't even start it. There's a conflict, I didn't even, okay. I'm radically responsible because I'm aware of the, of the conflict. And I have the tools to, to deal with it, to handle it, to, to talk about it, to put it on the table. So we keep inventing tools. I mean, I'll tell you one example. So another um, community of radical responsibility that I'm part of is the trainer Taurus, the trainer uh, Taurus of possibility management. And we've been in liquid state, like, the, like you were saying, there's personal liquid state and there can be also game world liquid state. So we've been in liquid state uh, for the past two years because Clinton Callahan, who started uh, this circle of trainer, decided to not be the main space holder, but to join the circle. Which is probably the only game world that I know that the creator said, I'm not going to be the main space holder for the game world. I'm moving into the circle. You know, Marshall Rosenberg didn't do that in nonviolent communication and, and, and whatever. I, this is just one example that I know, but I know also other game worlds. Okay. And then, so the whole, the whole group had to figure out, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we, and we didn't know. There's no map. There's no map right now, radical responsibility of a circle, how it goes. And so it's been two years. And then in January, we meet. And there was um, emotion. So there was, there was triggers and there was hooks and there was uh, miscommunication and 
that happen in the trainer guild. We created this process called uh, the frying walk, the frying walk, where there's, we, we sit in a circle and then there's a circle in the middle and then everybody, anybody who has a conflict or a question or something that's unresolved, go in the circle and say, I want to talk to you and I want to talk to you. One person in the circle say, you two, you have to talk. And you can have up to six people in it. And it was, uh, so I, I was in the walk for one, one session and it was such a healing process to have a space like this with people who are initiated into adulthood who can take responsibility. Okay, this is my emotion and this is yours. Okay, this is my story and this is yours. And how do we work it out? And we don't have to agree on everything. It's not about agreeing. It's, a, it's, about, it's about negotiating. It's about negotiating uh, the village we want to live in. But this is a glimpse into, yeah, the world that I live. And it's a, it's a circular world. It's a circular world. Yeah. Your timing was perfect. I just had a huge amount of noise going on during the, your entire last segment. So perfect timing. <laughs> and, and, and I've got to tell you, I, I don't, this is the first time I've heard about this particular process that you're, that you're describing. And I've been really hungry for that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I've uh, been a facilitator or mediator and so on for a long time. And I'm always in search of ways of uh, building the container or holding the space or methods of uh, having people be able to be closer with one another you know, one way or can another. I, can, I can I interrupt you? Yeah. You hold on to the idea that you, the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I was, you know, I was really thinking about, okay, what my culture looks like and it's one of the next culture and, and, and it really feels for most people, it feels like moving to the in to the forest tribe of northern thailand okay you don't understand the language you don't understand why kids are not in school and actually running around and actually learning from one another uh you know from generation to generation and not in the school in a school class with a teacher in front okay you don't understand why they would eat this at this time of the day or this time of the year <laughs> and People who, who are, because we nomads, either we move into, pe into people's home, so you haven't had that pleasure yet, but we might, we might <laughs> come and move into your home. Um, or we have people come in and, and live with us. And, and building a culture has so many dimensions and layers and pieces of thoughtware. And so I'm talking about, you know, relationship, negotiating intimacy, okay. Well, there's something called expectation that leads to resentment. How do you take down resentment? Okay, how do you negotiate if you have a thought where I'm not allowed to have a voice as a woman with a man? Okay, you have to heal that part of the patriarchy before you can have this conversation. Um, and then we, we can talk about like the game world. How do we negotiate so that a circle of people can understand each other even if they come from different places and so um there's initiation into emotion there's initiation into uh, jacking into archetypal lineage into uh, other forces of nature gaia our bright principles so i know i'm 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 saying a lot of words that are not in the in the usual vocabulary or in the dictionary of, of english modern culture but I, I just i just want to say because it's like so fun for me to think how many layers in a culture there is and, and how much play space. There's so much play space when you open the door of possibility that something else is possible right now. Something completely different from this is possible right now. Okay, then, then you're in a no man's land. You have the fear coming up. So initiate yourself in fear and then you, you can be in the creation process. But yeah, I just, I wanted to say that. All right, great. Yeah. I, to me, that just fits beautifully into that notion that we are the people of the pause. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. What the pause is really inviting us all to, and I think without even knowing it, a number of people, because of this uh, shelter at home order that's in many cities and, and uh, yeah, that, uh, and because there are certain number of people that are privileged enough to not have to be freaking out in the middle of not having a job and no money and oh my God, and because there are plenty of people who are at the freak out level and, and don't, don't have any idea how they're gonna survive this thing. Mm -hmm. But for the people who have that privilege, who have that buffer, who can be pre somewhat present in this time, they're, they're opening up to, they're kind of loosening up to, well, what would happen if, if we spent our day this way? What would happen if I started to really explore this piece of, of personal development that I've wanted to do? What if I started what poetry? What if I were to write some poetry and so on? It's yeah. so like I'm seeing a little bit more malleability, a little bit more um, willingness and, uh, and softening into the possibility that there are other ways of being, at least in the first few levels in, in some of the population, maybe yeah. here, just here in the States. I, I imagine it might be a little bit easier in some of the European environments. I don't know. Well, so I come from a place that is radically different. So what I, I might say will sound probably radical, sound probably radical, mm -hmm. but any freak out uh, can come from, from anything. Anybody can freak out about anything. Sure. And so if you think your circumstances um, make you freak out, then you're actually not taking responsibility for what is really what is really going on. What is really the story that you say uh, that makes you freak out? And you know, I know that I say that to um, I don't know who, who's listening, but it could be a single mother with three children who just lost her job, and it's like, okay, how am I, how, how can I have space in me to take responsibility and be okay? I, this is I decided to be there, and it's. I'm, so it's an offer, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a radical offer to just be there and say, okay, I, I decided to freak out or I decided not to freak out. And that's a, it's a, it's a decision and to, and to check out where it, where it comes from. And <clears throat> I also wanted to say, and that could be an experiment that I would really offer your, your people mm -hmm. is that we've noticed, um, that really wonderful, wonderful people around me um, who are doing this work and uh, for long time or short time, they are stuck at the level of permission. They are stuck at the level of, I don't have permission to do something else. And they might not be aware of it, but we, after talking to a few people, we realized that, yeah, they were like, I'm not allowed to do this. And then we, so the, the experiment is to check, okay, who do you need permission from? Who do you need permission from? And it doesn't matter who it is. So it might be, okay, I need my permission from my dad to not go to university because he wanted me to go to university, but I don't want, and I need permission to not do this. Okay, I need permission from uh, the government to stop paying taxes. Okay, because actually I don't want to finance a government that's uh, financing corporation and, and, and the war and military and, and on and on and on. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay, so check in yourself. Okay, who do you need permission to try something else? And then, and then ask them. So you can sort of click your clicker and have your father, whether they're dead or not dead, click and, and they appear in front of you. You kind of imagine them in front of you and you have a conversation with them and you say, can I have your permission? And most often those people have said yes. In, in all our experiment, pe those people have said yes. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole 
relief in, in us about, okay, I have permission now. Okay, it's in my hand, I have permission. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and then that's the, the next step, but it's, it's about taking our authority back. It's about authority and about who has authority about, over our life. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's like thinking that a government as authority over our life is in a, in a way ridiculous. You know, it, really, if, if to go into it, mm-hmm. a government is an illusion. Okay, how can, how can I give my authority away to an illusion that yeah. I didn't consciously build and it's not aligned with my values or what's important to me? Yeah. You yeah. mentioned yet another word that I, I just would like to, to put a little bit more um, flesh on the bones of, yeah. and that is experiment. Mm. Uh, a few minutes ago, you mentioned about the distinction of how important it is who pe- for people for whom it's new to sit in circle with others, mm. to, to get an experience of something that is not hierarchical. It's not uh, domination or control-based. It's, it, as we might have experienced in school and so on, that there's a, an entirely different dynamic possible in a circle environment. Mm-hmm. And similar to that understanding and that experience of, of uh, being in a, in a safe circle, um, there's, there's a way that y'all have made uh, the notion of, of trying an experiment, which is very different than being told what I should do by the next person who's my guru or teacher or the person who's leading the seminar or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's this way that um, you all seamlessly weave into the process of, of learning and experiencing uh, possibility management where uh, something is noticed in the space or something is shared or something is observed. And then the, uh, uh, sometimes a, an experiment is suggested. Mm-hmm. So what would happen if, the, if you were to experiment? So rather than being told, you need to be radically responsible. You know, there I am feeling small and I don't know what the fuck to do. How do I do that? Yeah. There's this experiment, which is a space of possibility in which I feel like I have co-experimenters or people who are willing to support that experiment going on and are, are, and are encouraging it to go on. Mm-hmm. That's a very different environment. So I know it seemed like a small point, but I have found so much freedom in that methodology of that. Are you willing to try an experiment? I'd like to offer what I'm seeing whole different uh, track to go on, then you need to do it this way in order to hit nirvana or get to the next level or whatever it is. So thank you for bringing that in. Yeah. I, I, yeah, thank you for, for pointing it like putting it like that because, um, it's really when, so I bring a lot of, of circles together. Mm-hmm. I bring a lot of circles together. And when people come, they, they might have a tendency to try to give their, what we say, the authority or their center, their, their responsibility away to me. And um, the feedback that I, I got really for the, the especially the online um, Zoom meeting, I was going to Zoom is my second name. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, uh, is that people are so appreciative of the space that I hold or that is held um, because it is an experiment place. Mm. Because, and it's, and it's not, nothing is mandatory. And it really, that's how possibility management has is still evolving. We're still discovering new ways, new possibility because, okay, there's, there is no one way to go. There is no one way to go. And, and it's sort of 
er anybody who comes into the context bring their own question and their own consideration and it's like hey i tried this and it worked great let's put it in let's put it into the game world yeah yeah and and somehow i mean i, I just want to say sort of my background so so people can also relate to the journey because i was born in paris and i was i was a professional swimmer for 10 years and um it was very much this is how it goes i grew up my dad is in the military <laughs> and i was a i was a lawyer i went to uh, columbia law school and la sorbonne university in paris so you can imagine the the box that i really grew up in and and really one day I come into work into the, the, the um, law office, the God, law firm, God, I forget my words. And, and I walk in the first day and I was so proud and it was like, I have my desk and I have my, my computer and I have, you know, and I feel so powerful. And it's this like false ecstasy of modern culture, like feeling I made it. The second day I come in and I, and, and I have this sense I need to quit this job. I need, I cannot, this cannot be my life. And three months after that, the, ex, the first experiment really conscious, more or less conscious was I bought a plane ticket, fly to New Zealand. And that's where my, my journey of experimenting um, has started and has not stopped yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, and Chloe, um, I'm curious. I, I'm tempted to go in a particular direction as we it we're sort of winding up this conversation and um and like every other segment of the conversation, we don't have to go there. It's just where my preference is in this moment, so let me just run it by you and then perhaps you have a different direction you'd like to finish up with. I'm curious how how life is for you here and now mm -hmm. being someone who clearly is deeply engaged with advanced practices the generation of entirely new possibilities and new ways of being at a time when our collective inability to um, to live in a wholesome way on this planet, but our inability to generate any new possibilities collectively at the moment seems to be killing us. Mm -hmm. So you have this extraordinary experience, and you're you're in it every day, and yet you're very aware, obviously, of the state of the world. And I'm curious if there's anything you would like to share about how life is for you now in what you do, in what you've created, in where you're headed. Um, anything you'd like to share with us um, just just in a in a way of sharing yeah, I mean. Yes, thank you. I, <laughs> my life is wonderful. I think my, my life right now is, I think you said that and it, I've, it's, this is the most alive I've, I've felt. And, uh, and the most um, ecstatic. And so there's joy in there, but there's also a lot of anger that helps me move through there's a lot of fear about being in the unknown and a lot of sadness of connection and 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 also sadness for the world and grief for the world and i i go through all those those feeling in a in an ecstasy that i because i can allow myself to feel and it's such a it is such a gift to be able to feel consciously and I mean, the other part is my life is so wonderful because I am surrounded by people who are so courageous, really that are so brave. Like there's a, 
just give an example, but she, it was really an example of, of bravery is that this young woman, she's younger than me, and she decided for one week, every time that she would have an emotion come, she would go through this healing process. In a week, she must have been going through between 20 and 25 healing processes to come out on the other side, to be a different person, to be able to be in service of others. Mm. It's like, it's such, you know, who has friends like that? <laughs> I, I hope you have friends like this. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, you know, I think a lot of people, this is a guess, there are a lot of people who are, are listening to, to your podcast and who are in your circles are geniuses. They're geniuses because they, they were born like that. It's, it's not, it's not a compliment or it's not a, it's just kind of, they were born like, born like that of a level of awareness that's higher than ordinary. And really to entertain geniuses, there's some work involved in that. So mm. it has to be full of experiment and new distinction and new territory to explore. And so for me to surround myself around geniuses, my mm. life is so interesting because they have so much necessity and I have to keep building into that necessity. And anyway, so it's an opinion, but I don't think there's any better way to live, to, <laughs> to build bridges into other people's necessity. And I think you know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> yeah, that's a, a little check-in into, into my life. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, is there any, you know, I, I often ask folks who come on this podcast to, to wrap up in this way. And, and maybe you've already been doing that. Maybe that's all you've been doing in this entire conversation. But I'm curious, is there any last offering that you might have for someone who's just beginning? who's just starting to open their eyes to not only what's actually going on on the planet, but that there, there is this tiny crack mm. that they can see that there's, it doesn't have to be this way. It's brand new to them. I'm curious if you would have any, any words to share with someone who's kind of at that new place. Yeah, I want to say it is scary as hell. If you are scared, this is you're in the appropriate state of where you should be. So it is appropriate. And, and you might have a, feel some reaction to what Dean was saying, to what I was saying to, and I wouldn't, don't let that stop you. <laughs> it, because our conversation was pretty radical. And so one offer that I have is, um, it's coming from my uh, work. Um, we've building with Clinton Callahan, we're building this massively multiplayer start over game that is about personal transformation. And there's 30, 300, 330 doorways to get into that game. And so if, if you would post the link uh, under this interview, and people sure. can click on it and then you can scroll down it's in alphabetical order and and there's no right way to start okay it's from the offer is start what turns you on start where where things turns you on when you have a question god this sounds interesting this sounds um i want to dive into this i want to i have a question about this and in people have started to play the game and they say they have like 30 tabs open in their, in their uh, internet window. And um, because that's how the game is, is built, that there's links inside and you move from one website to the next and, and you just follow your own interest and your own necessity. And so it is, and it's an experimental, it's, an ex, it's based on experiment. There's a lot of offers of experiment. So I, it's a great place to start. If, yeah. Right. And yes, we'll definitely put all the necessary links in the show notes for this particular conversation. Um, and Chloe, I, I got to tell you, it's just been 
so rich to meet you, to get to know you in the, the times last year. Uh, and every time we get another chance to be in a conversation like this, um, I consider you an absolute sister in the people of the pause and uh, just a, a brilliant creator in your own right. And so thank you so much for taking this time, spending even more time on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, can I say something? Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, thank you. Really, thank you for building bridges at, at every different level. Mm -hmm. And I really, I've, yeah, it's the same. I feel really a, a brother and connected and we in different continent but i there's this being to being heart heart to heart and and purpose to purpose connection that um i feel i feel really glad about and i yeah. it's like we're not alone you're not alone out there people listening you're not alone yeah mm. so thank you Dean. thank you a lot all right well um give my regards to mr callahan will do will do <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching another episode of the Poetry of Predicament podcast produced by Dean Walker and the Living Resilience Alliance, www.livingresilience.net. Music today from Michael Hedges, as always, and also Port Blue into the Sea. Also available on our website, www.livingresilience.net, is a wide array of articles, online learning series, arranging group and individual resilience coaching, and sign up for our now weekly support gatherings online that we call Safe Circle 